0: Of your time, if I could, and expound on some of the things that were here in the drama, Luke chapter 22, if you would, in your Bible. I won't be long; 10 to 15 minutes um, uh, will be about the length of the message, and and we'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you for uh, your undivided attention that you've given at this point. No doubt that you'll give over the next few minutes. Luke chapter 22, in your Bible, if you didn't bring one with you, there's one in the should be one in the pew right in front of you there. Uh, you can pull one out of the, the uh, hymnal rack there and turn with me to Luke chapter 22. In the all four of the Gospels, we get this account of uh, of, of Malchus's ear being cut off by Peter. In the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the uh, name of Peter and Malchus is not given. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke decided to protect Peter's name and not share that. But John just went and threw his name out there. It was Peter who did it. It was Peter's fault. Uh, And then he also gives us the name of Malchus. But here in Luke chapter 22, verse 48, we find an account of this event happening. The Bible says there, But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When uh, when they which were about him saw that uh, would follow, they said unto him, Lord, should we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far? And he touched his ear and healed him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this morning as we consider this passage here in in the Gospels on this Resurrection Sunday. And we look how you touched the life of someone who really by society was labeled a nobody. Lord, there are countless numbers in front of me, uh, Lord, who need a touch from on high. They need the same touch that Malchus received. And so as we consider this passage today, Lord, would you move in our midst? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen as our drama team so so eloquently showed us today and, and explained to us how that Malchus there in the garden was there not on his own free will. He was there because he was a slave. He was there because he had to be. And what I see in this story here in all four of the Gospels, I see several parallels between the life of Malchus and my life. The life of Malchus and your life. Each and every one of our lives. Some parallels that fit along with Malchus. And I'd just like to cover those here, if I could, quickly this morning. Number one, we see Malchus's problem. Malchus's problem. You say, well, what was Malchus's problem? Well, the very reason he was even in the garden that night, where Peter could cut off his ear, was because he was a slave. He was there because he had to be. He was there because he was told to be by Caiaphas, the high priest, and he was a slave. You say, well, pastor, how does that parallel with with you and I? The truth is, every one of us here today, we are all slaves. You say, I don't answer to anyone. Well, the truth is, you and I, we're slaves to sin. To sin. You say, oh, I'm not a slave to sin. Well, then go ahead and stop sinning. From this point forward, don't commit any more sins. The truth is, you can't, and neither can I. We, by our very nature, are sinners, and we answer to that sin. Uh, uh, as a little boy, my mother and father did not sit me down and say, "Richard, here's how to tell a lie." In fact, my parents were here at the uh, at the earlier showing of this, and my mother walked up to me afterwards and she said, "Actually, I remember trying to teach you not to lie, not to lie." And I said, "Well, you've succeeded somewhat, but you know we're all uh, susceptible to telling a lie here and there, aren't we?" I have two children of my own uh, there in the service this morning, and I got to tell you, they were born natural liars. I didn't have to tell them how to lie; I didn't have to teach them. You see, there's this philosophy out there that we're born morally pure, and then a an incorrupt world or a corrupt world rather uh, attains us and pulls down our morality and causes us to sin. But that's not the case. That's not how it works. You say, Pastor, why is it that I'm a slave to sin? Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 tells us this. It says, Wherefore, as by one man, speaking of Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death, death is passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You say, Pastor, that word sin is not politically correct. And I'm here to tell you, it may not be politically correct, but it is biblically correct. It is biblically correct. You, by your nature, you are a slave to sin. And so am I. And so am I. You see, Malchus wanted his freedom. And I'm sure every day Malchus went home to his wife and to his kids and said, uh, that guy, he claims to be religious, but he really just... And there are a lot of religious phonies out there. Can I have a witness there? There's a lot of people out there that claim to be religious. And really, they're just a bunch of phonies. And Caiaphas was one of those religious phonies. Caiaphas, Malchus got to see Caiaphas in the day-to-day. He got to see the jealousy and the rage that had built up in the very heart of Caiaphas toward Jesus. You say, why was Caiaphas jealous toward Jesus? Because Jesus... He didn't have religion. He had a relationship. He had a relationship with God. You see, in the Bible, the word religion is used four times. Only four times. And in three of those four times, it is used in a negative way. God does not want you to have religion. What God wants you to have is a relationship with His Son Jesus Christ, you and I were born slaves, slaves to our sin. We are in shackles by sin and sin is our taskmaster. Malchus was a slave. You and I are slaves. The second parallel I see here from this story that we saw by drama. And again, in the Bible, number two, we see Malchus's pain malchus's pain we got the account there how that peter uh peter didn't wait for christ's order there in luke uh, 22 uh, The disciples asked jesus should we draw the sword peter didn't wait for jesus to respond he just drew his sword and pulled it above his head and started swinging in there malchus was just doing his job just there because he had to be and peter just swinging at random boy he nearly cuts his head off but gets his right ear, this would be my right ear, right? Gets his right ear and lops it on the ground. Lops it on the ground. Peter had a habit of kind of doing things ahead of everybody else. He would open his mouth ahead of everyone else. And uh, Peter had a disease called foot and mouth disease. He opened wide and his foot was always in his mouth there. And Peter was always saying things before he should say them and doing things before he should do them. And Peter lopped off the ear of Malchus. And Malchus experienced a lot of pain. Malchus grabbed his head, as, as uh, Malchus described there on stage, the burning sensation. I have known some people who've lost some extremities, such as fingers or toes. I had an uncle that lost a, a finger in a mot- motorcycle chain he was working on one time. And I've known other people walking around with, with a finger that's been uh, chopped off. I've seen people who, because of diabetes, has lost a, a part of an arm or entire arm or leg. And, and that no doubt there's a, a physical pain that goes with that. Do you know that just like Malchus experienced pain, you and I, you and I experience pain for our sin? You see, we all know about the temporary pain. All of us here know an addict, someone who struggles with alcohol or drugs, and we see how their life is just in shambles and is a mess. Some of you today maybe even are in that spot or were once in that spot and there is a physical pain, a a, a, a a earthly pain that we experience because of sinful choices that we make. If I lie to a boss, I could lose my job. That would be a consequence for sin. If I lie to my wife, that could cause a loss of fidelity in my marriage. If I was a child and I lied to my parent, that could break my parents' trust. And those are some examples of earthly consequences, earthly pain that comes about By our sinful choices. But can I tell you this morning, the Bible makes it very, very clear that earthly pain is not the only pain that's experienced for sin. You see, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, St. Paul wrote the book to the church at Rome. The church at Rome, in that book that's found in your Bible, God, through the hand of Paul, told that church that, that he said this right here, he said, for the wages of sin is death. We all know what a wage is. You go to work, you you trade your labor in and you get a paycheck in return and, and those are our wages. You know, God in heaven is keeping a ledger with each of our names on it. In heaven right now, there is a ledger, a sin ledger, and your name is written down at the top. And every time you sin, the Bible tells us that our sins are recorded on that ledger. Our sins are recorded on that ledger. One day, we're going to stand before a holy God. And we're going to give an account for each and every one of those sins. And let me just tell you right now, God as a righteous judge, He hates, and I did use the word hate, He hates your sin and he hates my sin you might be here today and you say well pastor but i'm a pretty good person and you might be good compared to me you might be a good person compared to the drug addict standing on the corner but the drug addict looks at the murderer and says i might deal and push drugs but i've never committed a murder i'm not as bad as those people the murderer looks at a mass murderer and says well i'm better than that guy and the mass murderer looks at a pedophile and says, I'm better than that guy. And the pedophile in prison looks at someone who's acted disorderly in prison and been thrown down in the hole and says, well, at least I'm not there. The point I'm making, my friend, is that I am not the standard of righteousness and neither are you. God is the standard of righteousness. And God is perfect. And you and I, we fall short. The Bible says this, it says, comparing themselves amongst the monks themselves is not wise the bible tells us then again in the book of romans the church at rome the book the letter that was written to them found in the holy bible it says this there is none 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 righteous none righteous no not one you say Pastor Lejeune, I am a good person and God should let me into heaven based on my own merit. And I'm here to tell you today that God labels you as unrighteous. Unrighteous. You see, back to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That word death every time in the Bible means separation. Separation. One day, one day I'm going to die. They're going to put my body in a casket. Some preacher will stand over me and they will preach about my life. My flesh will die. But my soul, the Bible says and explains, will live forever. My soul is either going to spend eternity with God in heaven or spend eternity in hell separated from God. And because of my sin, I cannot spend eternity with God. You see, heaven is a place that's perfect. Heaven is a place of no sin. And God will one day look at me and he will judge me based on the works of my life. And he will find me wanting. He will pull that ledger out and there will be those sins. And I won't be able to get in. You say, but pastor, I'm a good person. Shouldn't that take care of my sins? Again, St. Paul writing to the church of Ephesus says this in that letter, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, through faith, and that not of yourselves. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, you cannot earn your way to heaven. The Bible directly says that it is not of works. What is it? It's God's grace. And it's our faith. Malchus experienced pain there that day when Peter cut his ear off. One day, one day if I get what I deserve, I will spend eternity in pain in hell for all of eternity. Revelation chapter 21 and verse uh, 8 says this. Further down the verse it says, All liars, gives a long list of very bad people, and the last one on there is liars. All liars shall have their place in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second Death or the death of the soul. This is the mutilation of the soul or the separation from God for all of eternity. You see, I'm here today to tell you that if Richard Lejeune got what Richard Lejeune deserves for his sin, he would be in eternal condemnation forever. Malchus' pain. You say, well, pastor, is there hope? And I'm here to tell you there is. The third parallel I see out of the story here of Malchus in the garden, is Malchus's physician. Malchus' physician. Here was Malchus against his will, but representing the high priest. Malchus' ears chopped off. Jesus very easily could have let it lay there on the ground, could have let Malchus bleed to death, or could have allowed uh, maybe some pressure to be put there and him to live impaired for the rest of his life. He could have done that no one would have thought otherwise. But Jesus, in that moment... He stoops down, and he looks at this slave that nobody knows. And he picks his ear up off the ground, and he puts it right back on his head, and he heals him. Malchus is physician. You know, you and I today, we're filled with sin and unrighteousness. But there's a God in heaven who loves you just as much as he loved Malchus. He looks down at your sinful soul. He sees that in the grand scheme of the world, you're a nobody. And God wants to touch you and heal you. There was a day, April 8th, 1988, I was a small boy. I was sitting in a church service very similar to this. A pastor preached a sermon. He made heaven look really sweet, just like the Bible describes it. He made hell look really hot, just like the Bible describes it. God was working on my heart. I had been going to Sunday school since I was was a baby. And I understood the the truth of salvation. I understood the gift of everlasting life. I understood the need I had in my sin. And at the very end of the service, I came down to the front and I knelt down at the steps there on that altar. And my father walked down behind me and he took me and he sat me on the front pew. And he took the Bible and explained to me that Jesus Christ had come and he had died on the cross for my sins. And as a four-year-old boy, there on that Sunday evening, I prayed a very simple prayer. I called out to Jesus and I asked him to come in and forgive me of my sins. And that day, the great physician, he healed my soul. He chopped away the chains of sin. He gave me the gift of everlasting life. What did St. John say? He said this in John 3, 16. He said, for God. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God looked down on mankind. He gave Jesus. Why? The Bible says that whosoever, that word whosoever means anyone, whosoever believeth in him should not perish or go to hell, but have everlasting life. Notice the words there, gave and have. God gave His Son Jesus, His only begotten Son Jesus, so that we could have everlasting life. God paid for our sin debt with His Son's life, purchased everlasting life, and He makes it available for you and I. You can have it. You can have it. That day, as a small boy, Jesus came down and He was my great physician. He healed my soul. The fourth parallel I see. Here today about Malchus. We've looked at Malchus' problem. He was a slave. We're a slave to sin. We looked at Malchus's pain, his ear being chopped off. We've talked about the pain that comes from sin, both earthly and eternal. We've talked about Malchus's physician, how Jesus reached down and healed him, and how Jesus will heal you. Fourthly and lastly, let's look at Malchus's pardon. Now we don't know from Scripture how if Malchus did get saved. We don't know that. The speculation in the play today was that he did. Let's go off the play just for a minute if we could. Jesus pardoned Malchus. What does it mean to pardon someone? It means to remove away the punishment even though they deserve it. I deserve to go to hell. Jesus has removed that from me. And he has wiped away the sins off that ledger through the life of Jesus Christ. There's a story told about a man who was the son of a widow. And this man had committed an egregious crime. He had been found guilty and he had been put on death row. Back in this particular era of time, there was no welfare system to take care of the widowed mother. This young man was the lifeline, was the fin- financial support for his mother. The mother went to the governor of the state and said, Sir, I'm asking you to pardon my son. He is guilty of, of, the, of the crime. I'm asking you to pardon my son. The, ju- the, the the governor said, But ma'am, that is not justice. And the lady looked at the judge and she said, I'm not asking for justice, I'm asking for mercy. You see, if my son dies, I'll have no one to take care of me. The, the governor said, I'll think about it and see what I can do. The boy was to be executed just a few days later. The governor, dressed much like I am now, walked, he walked into the, the cell block of that boy. As soon as the boy saw the governor, he assumed that the governor was a preacher. And he said to the governor, he said, get here, I don't need a preacher visiting me right now, get here. The governor said, young man, you don't understand, you want to see me. He said, no, 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 you're a preacher, I don't want to see a preacher right now, get lost. The governor said, no, young man, you don't understand. You want to have a conversation with me. The man cussed him out and said, get out of my sight. Don't say another word to me. The governor turned and as he left, he said, "Okay, if that's how you want it, then I'll go. A short time later, the warden of the prison stopped by. He asked the young man, he said, how did your visit with the governor go? That young man sitting there. In that cell block, with tears in his eyes, he looked up at the ward and he said, That was the covenor. That was the only man who could have saved my life. And I told him to get lost. Today, my friend, Jesus comes knocking at your heart's door. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God robed in flesh. The perfect Son of God who died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, defeated death hell in the grave, shed his blood to pardon you from your sins. Are you going to tell him to get lost? Or are you going to accept his pardon? You see, it's very simple. You can't do anything to earn salvation. But you can believe that Jesus Christ, died for you. I think of Jesus when he died up on the cross. He had two thieves on either side. The one mocked him and said, If you really are the God, Son of God, then get us down from here. The other man looked at him and said, Remember me, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom. Jesus turned and looked at him and he said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Are you going to be thief number one or thief number two? You see, it's one thing to know the facts of the gospel here. You gotta believe it right here. You gotta believe it with all your heart. Acts chapter sixteen, verse thirty-one. The Bible says, "This believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved." Saved? What does that mean? It means to be rescued from hell and rescued to heaven. Jesus comes knocking on your heart door right now. What are you going to do about it? You're going to accept the pardon, or you're going to tell him to get lost. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed.